Since 2017, the Italian Wine Podcast has exploded, recently hitting 6 million listens. Support us by buying a copy of Italian Wine Unplugged 2.0 or making a small donation. In return, we'll give you the chance to nominate a guest and even win lunch with Stevie Kim and Professor Attilio Scienza. Find out more at italianwinepodcast.com. Chin chin! Welcome to Masterclass U.S. Market with me, Juliana Colangelo. This show has been designed to demystify the U.S. market for Italian wineries through interviews with experts in sales and distribution, social media, communications, and so much more. We will quiz each of our esteemed guests at the end of each episode to solidify the lessons that we've learned. So sharpen your pencils, get out your notebooks, and join us this week to learn more about the U.S. market. Hello, welcome to Masterclass U.S. Wine Market. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome Peter Mondavi Jr. to the Italian Wine Podcast. Peter is the second son of Peter and Blanche Mondavi and the grandson of Cesare and Rosa Mondavi, the Napa Valley pioneers who purchased the historic Charles Krug Winery in 1943. As co-proprietor with his brother, Mark, Peter is immersed in the stewardship of the historic Charles Krug Winery and Vineyards in Napa Valley and steadfast in succession planning for the future of the family's legacy. Peter's passion is working to reinforce Charles Krug Winery as one of Napa Valley's premier estates, centering on the family's tradition of innovation and quality. Welcome to the show, Peter. It's so great to have you here today. Oh, Juliana, thank you for the invitation. Of course, of course. Well, we're so excited to have you on the show today, and we're really excited to talk not actually about Napa, but about Italy and your family's recent forays into the Italian wine business. But before we dive into today's discussion, Peter, tell us a little bit more about your family's legacy in Napa Valley. Sure. Actually, let me start with uh, where it starts in Italy. My grandparents got married in 1908 in December. My grandma was about 18 years old, grandfather a few years older, of parents who were sharecroppers, so very modest means. They had about a third grade education. But two weeks after their uh, wedding, 1908, they crossed the pond, landed in Ellis Island, and uh, then immediately made their way up to northern Minnesota, where they already had people from their community and family had already established themselves up there. So it's important to note that our family has no winemaking background in Italy. So my grandfather toiled away in the iron mines briefly. Didn't like that. Started a saloon. Of course, Prohibition shut that down. Mm. Went into a grocery okay. store business. And because he was dealing in fresh produce, fruits, vegetables, the Italian mm. community rallied around him to ship uh, fresh wine grapes from California back to the community so that the local families could produce homemade wine. So that's really our introduction into winemaking. Right. And from there, my grandparents moved to California to further that grape shipping business, became very successful, and also uh, got them to, uh, the ability to understand you know, winemaking and the wine business here in the United States. And in 1943, my grandparents purchased Charles Krug Winery. So it's been in my family uh, ever since. And my dad, Peter, and my uncle Robert ran it together. And in 1965, my uncle Robert split off and started his operation the following mm -hmm. year in 1966, of course, Robert Mondavi Winery. And shortly after that, my father bought out Robert's ownership of Charles Krug. So now Charles Krug remains 100% uh, family owned on my dad's side. 
We're starting to integrate and pass things on to the fourth generation, both Mark and my kids. And there is a member of the fifth generation, two years old, but nevertheless, uh, <laughs> hopefully someone to, to carry on this multi-generational legacy. So that's kind of a, a snapshot of our family history. Yeah, that's a really interesting timeline and really a true American success story of your grandparents coming across the pond. And I, I love the way they got into the industry too. So interesting through through grocery. I mean, that's, that's kind of a roundabout way, but it totally makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And if it weren't for prohibition, we probably wouldn't be here talking about wine. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, Peter, thank you for that timeline and history to set the stage for today's conversation, where we're going to talk more specifically about your family's recent foray into the import business which started in Bordeaux in 2020 with the label French Blue, and more recently, just last year, expanded into Italy with the Bola family. So we're going to discuss how to form successful supplier-importer relationships, specifically between family-owned businesses. We can touch a little bit more on the recent news with the Bola family partnership. So our three key takeaways for today's masterclass and what we're really excited to dive into with you are, number one, how do you start an import business in the U.S.? Your family's obviously been working in the wine industry for many years, but this is the first time working in the imports, which is exciting. Number two, what are U.S. importers looking for in suppliers? And finally, our third key takeaway is going to be what are the unique aspects of two family-owned businesses working together across continents? So let's just dive right in. Peter, for my first question, I really want to start about talking about how you decided to go into the import business after making wine in Napa Valley for 80 years. As you mentioned, we've been at it for 80 years here in the, in the wine business in California, in the United States. We know the market very, very well. It's very well established. Uh, our brands throughout really all 50 states through the distribution network. And things have been very dynamic in recent years, recent decades throughout the industry. And we felt it was important to diversify our portfolio and diversification for a couple of reasons. One is the changing wine environment out there with respect to demand. Now, the consumer has numerous options for adult beverages today, far more than we had 20, 30 years ago. So it's very complex from that side. So I think it's important to have a more diversified portfolio right. from a wine offering standpoint. So that's one of three driving reasons. Another one is more on the supply side of things. Now with climate change kind of wrecking havoc, you know, throughout the world and growing in sometimes in growing regions, it's nice not to have all your eggs in, in one basket. For instance, the 2020 vintage here in Napa Valley was probably about half of what is normal, perhaps even less. There's no real good numbers on it, all from the smoke taint from the fires that, that uh, devastated many parts of Napa Valley. So diversification from, uh, you know, we're partnering with wineries, you know, away from, you know, different areas. Right. And also wines that complement our existing portfolio and work well with our distributor partners and, and complement mm -hmm. uh, our offerings within their uh, portfolios. Right. So what I'm hearing is there is rationale to start this side of the business from market forces and changing consumer demands around what 
consumers are drinking, consumers drinking across categories, across regions, but also the reality of climate change that is diversifying where your products are coming from as well seem to be the, the driving factors for going into the import business. Yeah, very important. And also to, and maybe we'll get this a little later as well, but the distribution network is consolidating. The distributors are getting bigger. So we need to have a bigger footprint, a bigger presence in our distribution network. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. To be become a more impactful partner. That, make, that yeah. makes a lot of sense. So Peter, talk to us a little bit more tactically how you go about starting an import business in the U.S. What was that process like for your family? Well, I think kind of three key prerequisites for our family. First of all, it starts at the top. The family, the board, the management team really need to be aligned in this uh, import vision there to really drive it to the rest of the company. And we also need to have the appropriate experience uh, in some of our key managers in our operation. That's very important. So we're not starting from scratch, per se. There is embedded experience from where people have worked before. Also, it's very important to have an established, capable, and eager national distribution network. So our distributor partners are supporting us on this endeavor, embracing it because it adds more to their portfolio and obviously adds to our presence within mm-hmm. their portfolio. And also, uh, and it goes to, I mentioned this a little before, but a sales and marketing team with experience uh, with a diverse portfolio. We had a modest diversity in our portfolio up to this point, but we have people that have come from other wine companies that are far more diverse in their portfolio. So uh, having that, some of that experience in-house is important. Right. So it sounds like it was a confluence of the experience that your team had, the interest of you and your family, and also the interest of your distributor partners all really coming together to to make this decision. Yeah. And yeah, they're fully aligned on it and embracing it. Amazing. So, so far, your focus in terms of imports has been on the old world, Bordeaux and Italy. So talk to us a little bit more This is the Italian Wine Podcast, of course. So talk to us a little bit more about the focus specifically on Italy for the import side of the business. Well, Italy, you know, we're looking at Italy for a couple of reasons. One, those are our roots. Um, As I mentioned earlier, grandparents immigrated from the Marche region a little over 100 years ago. We love Italy, all things uh, Italian, love visiting there. But really, more importantly, I think, is the diversity and quality of wines coming from Italy are spectacular here for the U.S. market. And I think they're a great complement to our portfolio. Wine to Wine Business Forum. Everything you need to get ahead in the world of wine. Supersize your business network. Share business ideas with the biggest voices in the industry. Join us in Verona on November 13 to 14, 2023. Tickets available now at pointwine.net. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And also, I think especially we've seen the the Italian-American love affair has existed for many years, but especially recently, I think culturally this summer alone, you've seen so many Americans in Italy and they come home from those experiences wanting to drink Italian wine, right? So there's such an appetite for the category, not to mention the rise of 
category like Prosecco and other regions as well. So I think the market opportunities in the U.S. for Italian wine are tremendous. I might be a little biased with that, but uh, I think the numbers have shown us that as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the numbers have, and I agree with you. And, and that really is our first endeavor into the Italian imports is Prosecco with Valdo right, yeah. and, and the Bola family. Yeah, exactly. So tell us a little bit more about that partnership with the Bola family. Well, it, it started, well, boy, three, four years ago. Conversations started. And really what happened was David Brown, our CEO and president, prior to that, he was in charge of all of our national sales. So he's been with us for about six years. But he had worked at uh, Pasternak, which uh, has a big, diverse portfolio. And there he developed a relationship with Pierluigi Bola and uh, the Valdo brand. And he got the idea of you know reaching out to Pierluigi and starting a conversation. And it was kind of fortunate my son was living and working in Italy for about four years during this time period, actually working unrelated to the wine business, but he was in Northern Italy. And so he was our kind of boots on the ground, so to speak, visiting the Bulla family and their operations. Because when we embark on these partnerships, these relationships, wineries, we really want to understand the families behind them, make sure there's the connection, okay. the passion. So face-to-face -face meetings are very important. And this is, you know, partly during the COVID situation. So it was much more challenging for anyone from the U.S. to fly over. But since he was there local, it gave him accessibility. Yeah, that was fortunate to have Lucio in, in Italy at the time when you were looking to embark upon this initial partnership. And tell us, you know, about how it's been going since you started working with the Bola family. Oh, it's been going fantastic. I mean, it's great to have a Prosecco in the portfolio. And they are a well-established family in Italy, as we are well-established here in the United States. And they are introducing us to other potential partners throughout Italy. So it's a great relationship there Amazing. and look forward to developing these relationships and perhaps even developing uh, new brands as well originate from Italy. Yeah, incredible. And I think it's so great that it's two historic, iconic, family-owned businesses coming together in this venture. And what do you think is unique about two historic family businesses working together in this supplier-importer capacity? Well, it's interesting with these two families, the Bolas and the Mandavis, we have a very rich, uh, and as I say, complicated family history. Ours in the United States, Bolas, of course, in Italy, all around the, the wine business. But through, through our history, through our generations, we've been absolutely unshakable passion for the wine business. You know, we continue with it. You know, over all these years where at least here in California, Napa Valley, so many family wineries that have come and gone, they develop a brand, they sell it off, the gen next generation is not interested, things like right. that. That is not the case with the Bolas and the Madavi. We're in it for a mm -hmm. generational perspective. And that with this shared background, somewhat of a common parallel background, we understand each other and where we're coming from. And we really have a shared uh, mutual vision here, which I think is very, very important. And, you know, with the Bola's firmly rooted in Italy and our origins, Italy as well, it just 
further cements this enduring passion over multiple generations. Right. Yeah. I think that is really unique, especially in today's day and age that that family ownership, it leads to longer term vision as well for the future of the business, I'd imagine. Yeah. And I think that that to a certain degree sets us apart here in the United States. It's a little more common in Europe, the old world and Italy to have you know these long multi-generational families, much less common here in right. the United States. Of course. Yeah. And Peter, you mentioned the Bolas have been instrumental in making some introductions to other potential suppliers. So talk to us a little bit about that. What are you looking for in other supplier partnerships for the import business with your family's company? Well, kind of going back to the theme of diversification. So we're looking for you know, different wine suppliers, different regions in Italy, different styles of wines. These are wines that will will complement each other in the portfolio, not not really overlap or, or directly compete in style and varietals. So looking up and down from you know Sicily all the way up to the north and in between, because uh, there are some fascinating, beautiful wines throughout Italy. Absolutely. Okay, so a really a diverse portfolio, wines from different region. And in terms of the supplier-importer relationship, what do you think is key to have a successful relationship? I think first and foremost, as I mentioned before, common theme here, shared passion and vision, which has spanned preferably generations, and really the view to carry this on for generations to come. And a mutual respect when it comes to sustainability. We think sustainability is critical when you have the viewpoint of a multi-generational winery because you have to sustain the environment, the economy, so on and so forth to continue this operation into the next generations. Open communications are absolutely critical. Uh, you really can't hide anything there, but that's absolutely critical. And as I mentioned before, a complementary portfolio. So it doesn't you know, we don't have brands directly competing with each other. They complement each other. They have different offerings for the buyers. And of course, you know, an experienced and authentic and a skilled winemaking team there. And authenticity is critical. Stories tell so much here in the business and differentiate brands so much. So the authenticity is where the stories derive from. Right. And it also is what's aligned with your vision and, and the vision and story of Charles Krug as well. Yes, yes. Because we have a pretty fascinating depth, uh, in-depth history here at the winery. <laughs> we sure do. <laughs> Peter, how about on the other end? Are there any red flags for, for you and your team as you're evaluating potential supplier partners for import business? Yeah, I think really it boils down to one. I mean, we've shared attributes of what we're looking for, vision, sustainability, things like that. The lack of communication and or misunderstanding is, that's a big red flag. If we can't properly communicate, share ideas, be on the same page, that just brings about misaligned expectations. And then it just goes downhill from there. Prior to this, that's why we want face-to-face -face meetings uh, with the key players, the owners, the family members, not only in a business setting, but in a casual mm -hmm. setting as well to really develop the trust that's needed for robust communications. Yeah, communications is key. That's important in so many 
aspects of business, but I think it's a really valuable reminder for our listeners as well. Peter, I know the import business is relatively new for your family, but tell us a little bit about you know, your vision for this side of the business for the future. Well, we want to continue to develop a diverse portfolio for the reasons mentioned before and ones that are complementary with our distributor partners because we have a very well-established distributor network throughout the United States, mainly with the principal players in all the key markets throughout the United States. So we want to make sure that we're complementary in our offerings there and also grow in importance with our distributors. We're still important to them today, but we want to increase that importance as well. Yeah, I think that is very strategic of you to be thinking in that way, right, of how do we remain strategically focused for our distributor partners is that's yeah. just key to the U.S. market as we know. So I really respect you and the family for having that forward-looking vision and thinking beyond you know, your own backyard in order for ways to make your portfolio more resilient and more strategic. So Peter, now at the end of every, every episode, we do a rapid fire quiz where we will review the key takeaways from today's episode. You shared so many valuable insights and interesting tidbits we want to make sure our listeners walk away with. So if you can do your best to answer these questions in just a couple of sentences, that would be fantastic. So question number one, what is the biggest feat or challenge when starting an import business in the U.S.? Once we make the decision to jump into that and we have the prerequisites, the the people on the family and the board and management are on board, one thing that we found just boils down to logistics. When if you have an existing brand uh, in the United States and the distribution system, it's understanding the existing inventory position, the pricing structure that has been in place. There's a lot of work to be done to understand that and often, you know, correct it or clean it up. And so there's a, you know, that, that could be, you know, a number of months, if not longer to get through that. That's one thing that can be frustrating at the tr- point of transition. Yeah, absolutely. And we know with, you know, international shipping, we saw a lot of those, those issues come to the forefront in the last few yeah. years. Yeah, of course. of course, it was right in the middle of COVID and all the logistic issues associated with that. So right, that probably right, count, compounded that problem. And hopefully it's a little bit less absolutely. now. Fingers crossed. Uh, Question number two, what are U.S. importers, in your opinion, at least looking for in supplier partners? Okay, just rehashing some of the thoughts from before. Open communications, very important. A trust there is, is essential. A shared passion for the business. A generational vision. So we're not looking at just to make a quick buck and move on. We want to develop something for the next generation. And of course, quality throughout quality of execution, quality of the wines that we're working with, all very critical. Okay. And finally, question number three, what are the unique aspects of two family-owned businesses working together in this supplier-importer relationship? Well, we have a shared family history in the sense that the Bullas in Italy and the Mandavis in California uh, have been in the industry for really, literally generations. We both share the same passion for wine. And then actually the next generation is sharing that same passion as well. So we see this going on for, you know, extended period of time and and generations into the future. I think that's what makes this partnership very unique versus other partnerships uh, 
import partnerships. Absolutely. It's all in the family. We love to hear that. So congratulations again, Peter, on the new business venture and the recent partnerships with the Bola family and others. And we're so looking forward to seeing how your import business grows and seeing you more in Italy as well. Yeah. Thank you very much, Juliana. Well, thanks again for joining us today on the Masterclass US Wine Market, Peter. It was so great to have you. Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you for joining me today. Stay tuned each week for new episodes of Masterclass US Wine Market with me, Juliana Colangelo. And remember, if you enjoyed today's show, hit the like and follow buttons wherever you get your podcasts.